into the It is Tuesday, the 10th of May. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my great mate Shane Lee. And Shana, I was over in your hood for Mother's Day evening. I failed to mention it yesterday, but we're at the Manly Skiff Club with some great friends. We had a sort of bit of a combined Mother's Day with Josie and Jenny and all the kids. And boy, it's it's just the view is phenomenal. And the way that that club's expanded, wow. Well, mate, you can sit out on the deck there. And uh, and uh, I don't know if you had the seafood platter or not, but it's pretty pretty special there. And uh, yeah, I've spent many a uh, um, a summer afternoon drinking cold schooners on that deck, mate. It's a fantastic place. I was going to have the seafood platter, but the seafood platter was for two, and no one else was. Mate, I went right to the edge. I went right to the edge to have it for one. You should have called me. Oh, I should have called me. I, know. Oh, I think I had a palmy, which was quite good as well. All right, we've got a big show on the way. What about this guy? This teenage. Sensation, Carlos Alcaraz. We mentioned he's he beat Djokovic. He's taking over the world. This guy's phenomenal. Sam Kerr added again, just sensational. And Greg Norman snubbed by the British Open. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Shano, look, we, we mentioned him yesterday, but we've got to mention him again today. This teenage sensation... Or sensation it'll be. I'll put a few too many S's in sensation mm. there. Carlos <laughs> Alcaraz. Um, wow. Mate, we're seeing uh, the rise of a, a superstar, I think, for many years to come. Uh, this kid has beaten, in the one week, he's beaten Nadal, Djokovic, um, and Alexander Zarev in the final, 6-3, 6-1. Zarev said this kid is the best player in the world now, right now, bar none, and he's showing that form. He's, at, he's only 19. Um, plays very well on the slower courts, being clay. So I'm not sure how he'll go on grass, that sort of stuff. But they're saying, look out for this kid. He's going to be a future world number one. Yeah, they're saying he's right up with these top three yep. in the sense of ability and talent. So it's it's fantastic. I get excited when you mm. when when I see someone of that ability start to emerge. And uh, look, Dylan Alcott, he paved the way in so many ways for Australian wheelchair tennis and our wheelchair tennis team, our junior wheelchair tennis team. Um, wins the World Team Cup title. They've beaten Great Britain 2-1, and I'm sure a lot of those young people would have been inspired by Dill. Very much so. So big shout-out to uh, Ben Wenzel, um, Salim Nassar, and Riley Doomsday, um, who have won, as you said, they beat Great Britain 2-1 in the mm. final to take out the Junior World Tennis Championship. Congratulations, guys. Big effort. Yeah, absolutely fantastic to watch as well. Now, Sam Kerr, talking about fantastic to watch, twice she scored as Chelsea beat Manchester United to win the Women's Super League title. Sam Kerr, what do we say? Are we a chance at this 23 World Cup next year in Australia and New Zealand with someone like her? I mean, obviously, we've got a lot of other good players in that Matilda's team. They're confident. 
confident. Well, they should be. And uh, look, scoring goals is not a problem, uh, particularly with Sam. If you get the ball to her feet, um, she's very good once she gets the ball in her possession. Look, this game on the weekend, Chelsea beat Man U 4-2. She scored two goals uh, to take player of the match. And it um, gave her her second year running golden boot. Um, that's the most goals in the tournament. So, yeah, she's she's a superstar, Sam Kerr. And um, I think if the Aussies, Matildas, can get their their defence right, um, we are a chance in this World Cup. Now, Shane, often when I step on the scales, I look at it and I think, I should probably become a professional golfer because if I became a professional golfer, I wouldn't need to diet. I'd make no money because I'm a poor golfer. And it's a, it's such a challenging sport. It does your head in. And I often wonder what it's like on the circuit when, you know, you're competing for, for the money that these guys do. But Australia's Jason Day, who's a major winner, um, started so well we thought he was back at Wells Fargo, but mm. absolutely imploded. Like at moments there watching him play, it was like watching a, a hacker. It was like, you know, it, like he'd forgotten how to play. It's a funny relationship, isn't it, watching golf? I think uh, it's, it's unlike any other sport. You feel better personally watching when someone <laughs> stuffs, stuffs the ball or, uh, mm. or has a shocker. Jason Day was leading the um, the third round by three shots, um, but he shot a nine over, nine over 79, whilst Keegan Bradley shot three under par 67 and, um, and basically just, Tore up his his lead and 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 his chance of winning the tournament, but uh, yeah, he went from playing really really well to just as you said, imploding. Yeah, look, it's always been a rumor about Phil Mickelson being a big gambler, and it's it's turned up in this book that he's lost fifty six million dollars to gambling. Fifty six million dollars. I, I also saw the doco on John Daly, who who went one better or one worse. Uh, and it was documented there that he won $48 million on the US tour and spent $75 million. Yeah, these numbers aren't good. Um, well, they're saying he was earning $40 million US a year at his height. And they sort of were running the numbers. They're saying, well, you, you're earning forty, so you pay twenty in tax. Uh, then you have to pay off your, your – he's got a private jet and his mansion – um, he has to pay his agent, he has to pay his caddy, he has to pay his pilots, has to pay his personal trainer, has to pay his swing coach. That leaves him with about 10 and then he's punting $10 million. So each year he's basically tearing up everything he earned and uh, that's a big reason why I think Greg Norman will get him for his Rebel um, Golf Tournament. It is a scourge, isn't it, gambling? And, and we all know people yep. that, that, you know, that's why they always have the mantra of bet with your head, not over it. Because it doesn't matter how much money you've yep. got, how much money you earn, if you've got a problem with it, you can spend it that easily. Um, that's right. Now, uh, Greg Norman, you, you mentioned Greg Norman, the great white uh, one would. Um, and <laughs> look, he's a two-time winner of the Open Championship, the British Open. It's the 150th anniversary at St Andrews this year. He wanted to be there, but they've said... Sorry, mate, and and you, look, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to work out why. No, well, so as a former winner, he would um, get automatic wildcard entry, but that, that's only up to the age of 60. He's now 67, so he has to meet certain criteria. I'm pretty sure one of the criteria is not trying to poach players from their, from their league, and that's what he's been trying to do. So they've said in no uncertain terms, mate, you are out, and you cannot be part of this, uh, which is a big one. It's 150th. Um, British Open at uh, St Andrews. So it would have been a nice one for him to play in. But as I said, if you're trying to poach their players and take away from what the history of the game is, uh, I'm pretty sure they're not going to allow you to um, eat from both sides of that apple. No, exactly. And uh, 
I urge anyone, if you're a golfer and you love the game and you get the opportunity to get to Scotland, go to St Andrews. It's uh, mm. it's fantastic. I've had the chance to do it a couple of times. It's uh, it's some sort of place. It is just remarkable. Now, basketball. Andrew Gase, who's usually the most mild-mannered guy, has ripped into Liz Cambage. Well, he has here, and this comes down to uh, Liz Cambage. We know that she was out with mental health issues a number of times, but she's she's come out and basically had to go at Andrew Gaze and her teammates saying she wasn't supported. Well, Andrew Gaze has come back and said, that is absolute bullshit, and he said basically that she was totally supported. She was supported by her teammates as well, even though that she didn't support them. They chose to stick by her. And it's preposterous that she's now coming out and saying these things in hindsight. He said she was supported by everyone. And he said it, you know, she was obviously going through a very, very tough time. And it's a very, very delicate situation. But she cannot say that she wasn't supported because we gave her every bit of support we possibly could. Well, when someone's a narc and they're negative all the time, you tend to just let, let yep. their thoughts and comments go through. And, you know, there's plenty of people, you know, in and around sport and the media that are like that. But when someone like Andrew mm. Gaze pipes up, you think, Wow, because yeah. um, he, he yep. never really does it. He doesn't. Uh, we've got so much more to come. We've got the AFL, the NRL, and much, much more. West Coast Eagles, nightclub incident, Shana. They find seven players... Um, Back in your playing days, that was just, well, that's what you did. Well, you definitely did that, mate. The Leaderville, the Leaderville <laughs> nightclub was very good. And uh, it was the reason I was first selected for New South Wales. Greg Matthews was bashed, um, unfortunately, in that mm. Leaderville nightclub. Um, so uh, that gave me my call up for New South Wales. But the uh, the West Coast players, uh, and there's been seven of them, have all been five, fined $5,000 each for irresponsible and disrespectful behaviour. Um, and it's basically following their 109-point loss to Richmond on the weekend. And with yeah. COVID issues around, they are not supposed to be out in nightclubs, uh, you know, socialising. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel for the players these days that sometimes you just need, after being flogged, to get out and have a few beers and just not think about footy or cricket or whatever you do um, for a little while and just take your mind off it. But it's a very, very del- delicate situation now with COVID around and 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 teams being have to be very um, cognizant, cognizant okay, so that, and team players being very, very um, aware of not uh, infecting other players. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's changed, hasn't it? And, and look, everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a camera. So yeah, the lens is so focused on the behaviour of sports people now. Cronulla duo Will Kennedy and Jesse Ramian. Both uh, copying suspensions for high tackles. Brian To'o Penrith wants uh, Stephen Crichton to play Origin. And this was a very nice tribute from Alex McKinnon. Of course, we saw him uh, break up with his wife, Tegan Power. And it was it was a post on Mother's Day because, of course, um, Alex had that terrible mm. accident playing for Newcastle against Melbourne and ended up in a wheelchair. Um, and it was a very nice tribute. I think it was also laced with a message for people, please just leave us alone, will you? Yeah, well, they both uh, issued the same statement when they broke up, saying that they, mm. they were best of friends, but due to a number of issues, um, they, they are separating. And it was, a, yeah. it, was a nice, it was a nice tribute to his wife there. Look, it would be very, very difficult. I, I, I hasten to think how bad it would be to be in a relationship with that when someone's particularly, you know, st- stuck in a wheelchair. It'd, it'd be tough. And, and you do break up 
and it'd be hard to explain that and people would assume the worst. Um, but it seems that they're at peace with each other, so that's the main thing, and the kids are going to be looked after. I hope they don't get hounded. I really do. You know, it's yeah, a difficult circumstance for people. Um, uh, now, what about your mate, your, your good, good mate, Paul Gallen? <laughs> he stormed out of a presser. He, he's, 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 he's blown up. Um, big gal um, ahead of this, of this bout on uh, um, Wednesday. Yeah, he's been watching all Muhammad Ali videos, hasn't he? <laughs> had, to promote, mm. had to promote a fight, but... Uh, yeah, he keeps saying Chris Tesoreski is not doing any or not putting in any effort at all to promote the fight, and he basically mm. walked over to him at Star City and um, and abused him and said, "Mate, I'm going to bash you," and then threw his microphone down and left. <laughs> uh, good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. None of it was staged. Not a thing of it was staged. Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of the restless years. Yeah, that's um, it. Now, now, what about Travis Head? This was uh, look. You and I have both on been on plenty of flights mm. through the subcontinent, and there's been some hairy moments at times. Um, he's he's had a difficult one, hasn't he? Well, he's flying. I think back from the Maldives and with his pregnant partner, and the plane was thirty minutes into an hour flight. Um, mm. has had to go and land on an island and it slid off the runway and they were evacuated by the, by the chutes on the side of the plane. So um, very, very scary for both of them, I'm sure. And, yeah, I just uh, hopefully the, the, the little one's all right and um, it doesn't have any effect on the pregnancy. But, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone was injured in the, um, in the plane landing. Yeah, that must have been frightening, absolutely. Um, now, having a quick squiz at Formula One, Lewis Hamilton uh, questions the Mercedes team's strategy after the Miami Grand Prix. It's, uh, it's imploding in and around uh, Lewis, the, this absolute out-and-out modern-day champion. Well, yeah, so he's currently sitting sixth on the championship. And, look, he's saying things like he's getting calls in his um, headphones to say, mm. do, you, do you want a pit here to change tyres? And he's saying, I don't have the information. You should be telling me whether I need to or not. So they're going back and forth. They seem to be sort of second-guessing each other. And he just said the overall strategy of the Mercedes team at the moment is all over the shop. And you've got to listen to this guy. This guy's the probably the best of all time. He would know, but he just sort of said it's imploding around him. It makes me wonder when you say that, and I don't want to make too much light of the subject, mm. but do you want to pit here? Imagine, imagine if you did mispronounce it. What do they do if they actually get to that point with me? You know, because you know, they need to actually take a take a, a quick trip. Um, interesting. Well, well, Timmy, if you, if you and I were driving one of the cars, we'd probably we'd probably lose because you'd take the paper inside. <laughs> just take your time, wouldn't you? We'd need both seats in the front to even fit in. Now, um, look, just finishing up today. I mentioned, um, look, flying in India and Pakistan and and throughout the subcontinent. You and I, look, you, you tend to live on planes. I remember when we were over there, we were on a Russian illusion, like doing TV coverages, and sometimes the runways weren't quite as long as they should be. Uh, but look, things have changed these days, but uh, boy, oh boy. Mate, big time. Um, actually, at a dinner party I had on Saturday night, a friend of mine's mm. wife, Jackie, is a, a Qantas hostie, and she said she has been going through all, um, have to relearn and, and keep doing tests and upgrading since COVID. Um, so Qantas are very, very yeah. good at doing this and making sure that all their staff are up, up to speed. Mm. I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen in the subcontinent. And I remember a number of flights um, in India internally where it gets on the plane, everyone's still talking on their mobile phones, people are smoking, um, and when the plane lands that hard, it crashes in the tarmac, stuff would just fall out, fall out of the, of the overhead lockers all over the plane. And 
I don't, look, I've been in India probably 50 times, so I don't know how many flights I've had over there, but uh, I, uh, I I pray every day that uh, I got through that because it was, a, it was a terrifying experience many times. Yeah, it certainly improved. There's little question, but I, I, you and I were both on the same plane. It was 1996 going from northern India, which where you'd just beaten the West Indies up into Pakistan. Mm. I remember that charter flight. So you're already, uh, you're, they've already put a sort of an international airport in a hot spot, you know, northern India and Pakistan. They've been at war uh, since the late 1940s. But that plane in particular, when those wings were moving, I know there's supposed to be flexibility. I was sure those wings were moving to help the plane fly. Well, it wasn't just that. It was the chicken in the overhead locker above me that, that was giving me the, that was creeping me out the most, mate. Oh, yeah. Wild days. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. We can't do this without great sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. And, of course, our brilliant producer, Dan McHugh. We are back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.